Welcome to the My Why Podcast, where educational storytellers Jesse Mann and Kristen Travers discuss identity-defining moments with special guests. Inspiration ensues. Okay, welcome everybody to another episode of the My Why Podcast. We are here on the Identity Project, and we have a very special guest with us today. She is a makeup mogul, a boss mom, an advocate for other women, and she is always dedicating herself to learning lessons and sharing the love. Candace Willits, welcome to our podcast. Hi, thanks for having me. I'm so <laughs> excited to have you. I'm excited to be here. So, Candace, tell us a little bit about your, um, obviously you are a makeup mogul. It's so exciting for me when I'm shooting a wedding and I walk in and I see, you know, I'm like <laughs> over the top. Yes, Candace is doing My hype makeup. girl. Yes, I am your hype girl. <laughs> So tell us a little bit about um, your professional life. Let's start there. So, yeah. Okay. So um, in 2010, I went to hair school and um, I thought that I mostly was going to hair school because I love styling. I didn't really love coloring or cutting or any of that stuff, but I still went and I did really well. And when I was out of hair school, I was, I would do weddings here and there, but I didn't really focus too much on hair. And then through that, I found my love of makeup and so, um, because I did a little bit of makeup in hair school, I, um, started dabbling more in it. And then in 2015, my hubby and I took money from our wedding and put it towards a course. And then I dove in head first. I booked every single week, a weekend for almost three years. I think I took only a few off for three years and did as many weddings as I could. And I learned YouTube was a huge asset for me huge, huge asset. And even Instagram, there's short videos on Instagram and you can learn so much. And I just dove in and I took as much work as I possibly could until I gained a huge clientele. And then I slowed down over the last year and I'm just taking what I can now, three kids. Right. So I, obviously I mentioned when I walk in, I know one, usually I know that you've done the makeup. If I've got a grad show up mm-hmm. on the side, I'm like, oh, Candace did the makeup. I know mm-hmm. right away. You're so exceptional at highlighting what people Thank have. You. How do you get so busy so quickly? Um, Social media has been a huge asset for me. I started my own makeup Instagram right out of school. And I just started sharing to it as much as I could. I shared almost every day, tried to share almost every day. And um, I would put ads up on Facebook and I would just like push it on social media. And that's been the hugest asset for me as far as spreading my name. Right. So what drew you to makeup? Like what really attracted you to makeup? To be honest, I can't really tell you. I've always been really creative. I've always loved painting and drawing. And so I love doing my own makeup. And um, it was just one of those things. My friends would start asking me to do their makeup. And I, I can't even describe it. I've just always been drawn. I, like when I was 13 wearing makeup, I was wearing blue eyeshadow up to my eyebrows. Like right. it was <laughs> or Mimi Drew Carey. Yeah, yeah, seriously. She's I, not wearing that right now. No, no she looks beautiful, <laughs> by the way. Yeah. She looks fabulous. But I've always just been really interested in it. And so. So I, I know that you are very inspiring and um, empowering to a lot of other women. So how do you feel like makeup empowers other women the way that you do it? It's a really good question. Um, I'm not sure if empowering 
is necessarily, I don't know how to explain that. I, I think that it helps women be confident. Right. And so, um, if there's something that makes you feel uncomfortable or something that, um, like if you have acne or dark under eye circles or anything that maybe holds you back from feeling as confident as you could, that kind of helps you go out into the world feeling better. Yeah, hundred percent. And I think yeah. you kind of evolved out of makeup. One hundred percent. Are doing mm-hmm. it, but you kind of have evolved into this. Yeah. So makeup, I think, is still my career, and I think that I've kind of evolved into different passions. Well, I feel like. Well, one, I mean, you go on your Instagram and and it's beautiful images. Mm -hmm. Like you take great photos of the great work that you do. And Mm -hmm. I especially love the creative stuff you do. Your Grinch Mm -hmm. at Christmas was Mm -hmm. crazy. But there's something with you that your your feed is kind of all about dropping the makeup, taking the makeup off, Mm -hmm. even though it is about makeup. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and showing your true self to the rest of the world. Well, and that's really important to me. I see a lot of um, other women on social media, and they're almost trying to be perfect. And so it gives a false illusion to what we are. And I don't really love that. I would rather people know that I'm very imperfect, but yet professional and successful, and I've got a lot going for me. But I also have a lot going on, you right. know? Yeah. It's scary to me when I'm looking on social media. I mean, I work with teenagers all the time. And it, it's scary when you start to see that everybody's starting to look alike. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And and makeup shouldn't be used for everybody to look alike. No. It should be able to help you enhance what makes you different. And do it however you feel comfortable or however. Because there's so many different ways to do it. You don't have to do it like me. I don't have to, like a lot of people, for a long time I was being really creative on my page, for example. So I was doing a lot of really elaborate makeup looks. And people would message me and they'd be like, but I don't want anything extreme. And I'm like, well, you don't have to do that extreme. We can do it really simple. Right. But it can be whatever makes you comfortable. Right. And so obviously your social media following is growing. It's mm-hmm. it's massive really right now. Mm-hmm. And you've got so much professionally going on. Babes supporting babes. You're doing group lessons. Mm-hmm. You are always there to work with other makeup artists. Mm-hmm. Tell us a little bit about the the personal journey you've had with your health because you're, you know, doing so well with makeup and you're doing so I mean your hair is incredible too. Mm-hmm. And that's just like soaring and then mm-hmm. it's like, oh wait a minute, life happens and mm-hmm. this and people don't necessarily realize the struggle people, that you've No. Had. And that's the thing when especially since I'm a trained hairstylist, people can't see from my photos um that I'm missing a good portion of my hair. So um That's another thing I wanted to show that because, yeah, on social media, it might look like I've got, you know, long, luxurious hair, but that's not the reality. And so I just want to be upfront with people like, hey, this is a struggle and tons and tons of women go through that. But mine is a symptom of bigger issues. So, you know, it's uh, something that was actually kind of a blessing for me, if that makes sense. I needed that health wake-up call a year ago um, to be where I am today. And so tell us a little bit about that wake-up call and and what you were faced with. So um, about 10 years ago, I went to the shoe shops with a bunch of girlfriends. This is where this starts. 
And um, after the trip, we'd done a lot of drinking and whatever you do when you're 21 years old and you're in the shoe swap. So I guess it was more than 10 years ago. But after for about a week, I couldn't swallow solid food. And I ignored it. I went to the doctor and they told me that it was probably a hernia in my esophagus, but then it went away. So I never delved any deeper into it. And then as years would go on, um, usually again, after being out the night before, when I was trying to eat my lunch the next day, it would get stuck in my throat and then I would end up having to throw it up and it would happen, you know, more and more as the years would go on. And then when I was pregnant with my first son, Brolin, I had such severe acid reflux that it would shoot out my nose and like I couldn't stop it. I was on medication the whole time I was pregnant and it was still severe and um, it started happening more and more after that where food would get stuck in my esophagus and I couldn't get it down and so um, after I had my third baby that happened and it got stuck and I couldn't get anything else after that to go down. So not even water, my saliva was getting stuck and I would have to throw it back up. And so then I did go to the doctor after that and they sent me for um, a barium swallow x-ray and my surgeon was like, you have severe acid reflux. Until your scope, you need to be taking Zantac every single day. This is crazy. And I'm like, no, I don't. Right. Because I was in so much pain when I was pregnant with Brolin that anything better than that felt better. Right. I didn't realize how bad it was. And did this creep up sort of slowly? Like, obviously, mm-hmm. 10 years ago, sometimes I think, you know, things creep up, creep up, creep up, and we don't realize what normal is supposed to feel like. Yeah. Totally. That's kind of, yeah. we're guilty well, of that. Mm-hmm. And you know what a lot of it was, too? It was that I was too overweight. And so I was ignoring signs because I figured, well, they're just going to tell me I'm too overweight. So I don't want to go in, and they're just going to tell me my weight's the issue. Has anyone, like, did any doctor tell you that before or was that something that you self-imposed it's something I self-imposed they've mentioned like during physicals and stuff they'll be like you know your weight you should watch your weight but the doctors have never told me but I didn't want to hear it didn't want to hear it and so I ignored it for too long and so then when I went for my scope um I had the hernia was there I had done severe damage to my esophagus because I had grade three GERD. And so I had acid coming up my throat every day for, you know, 10 plus years. I had um, something called esophagitis, which is um, like ridging in my esophagus, which they thought was caused from eating things I was allergic to. I shouldn't have dairy, things like that. Um... But they found out after that it was actually my body was attacking itself because of the acid. So it was like double doubling down. It thought that I was allergic to the acid coming up my esophagus, which was causing ridging. Right. Mm-hmm. So for the listeners at home, can you explain what GERD is? My, my son actually has it as well. Yeah. So I'm very familiar with GERD. But yeah. Can you... It's essentially um, acid reflux is what how I understand yeah. it yeah so it's um, gastroesophageal reflux mm-hmm. disease mm-hmm. and your acid just comes up to up your esophagus which I mean mm-hmm. it doesn't normally go that way no so it's, your your lining in your esophagus doesn't have that protection yes so it's just yeah it eats yeah away. and that's the thing and it caused painful and it, well and that's he, my surgeon said to me after my scope I can't believe you walked in here in so little pain right like how are you not 
doubling and grown or doubling over, sorry, grown men come in here and they're like begging me to help them. And you're toting three kids in here, not even thinking there's an issue. And so is that part of it? Like you gotta, you gotta show up for your boys. You gotta get up. You gotta go. You don't have time to. Well, and you know, what's so funny is that that morning I was stressed because they told me I couldn't eat. And I said to my husband, I can't wait till after 10 AM to eat. I'm going to, my stomach's going to hurt too bad. I can't, I need to eat. But it was just things that I had done for so long to manage symptoms. Yeah. And so I did need food in my stomach or else my acid reflux would be so bad. And so, you know, all of those things now looking back and even after a week of being on medication for it, I was like, oh my gosh, this is how you're supposed to feel. Wow. I had no idea. So now how have you started to manage it? Like, did you go for surgery or what? No, so they recommended, um, because I was so young and my kids were so young, the surgery is pretty intense. And so they recommended that I try to manage it with medication. So I'm on pantyprozol. I think that's how you pronounce it. It doesn't matter. It's a, um, it's a stomach pump blocker. So I take it twice a day to lower the acid development in my stomach, which isn't ideal for me to be on forever. Right. There's symptoms like brittle bones and um, dementia, right. stuff like that that can happen as you get older. But I think you, obviously, you're taking the medication, you're going to the doctor, you're really owning this mm-hmm. now, you're not mm-hmm. letting it own you, you're, you know, and you're really, really managing like it. conscious of, of your health. I am. Nice. It was that moment. Well, my doctor flat out said to me, he said, if you don't take care of this, it's not a matter of if you get cancer, it's a matter of when you get cancer. You will get cancer if you don't get on top of this because ulcers ultimately lead to cancer. Right. And so um, that was kind of a moment for me. And then also, he said, um, you know, maybe you won't have to be on medication forever. Uh, Or no, he didn't say that. My um, GP said, maybe you wouldn't have to be on medication forever if you got your weight down. And so then what? Well, I knew already. I was like, I have to get on top of this because weight makes it worse. And that's, that's something people don't like to talk about. They don't want to admit that you know, when you're 100 pounds overweight, that it's pushing on all of your intestines, it's pushing on your stomach, it's pushing fat surrounding your heart, your brain, all of these things. People don't like to talk about that. And so for me, I was too overweight. And it was making things worse. And so when you walked out that day, did it start then? Mm-hmm. Did you, yeah, it started that mm-hmm. moment when you walked out. Yeah, I needed that. And so what was the next step? Like, I, quite often people are like, I don't know what well, to do. For me, I went too extreme. But the reason was is because the main priority then was to control inflammation in my body. So I needed to cut out anything in my diet that was causing inflammation. Right. Dairy was a huge thing. Dairy, um, I don't know if you notice, but if you have too much dairy, your stomach bloats. And mine, 100%, you can see it in my stomach the second I've eaten too much dairy. Another big thing was grains. Um, grains, you know, for me, were, would cause inflammation. And I cut out refined sugar. Okay. That's quite so, hard. So kind of 20, <laughs> yeah, kind of yeah. 20 30, right? Essentially. Right. Yeah. Um, I, I didn't cut out all carbs or anything like that. Like, I think that that was maybe a little bit ridiculous. Um, a lot of people thought I was doing keto. But I wasn't cutting out all carbs. I was just really monitoring my grains. Right. Grains were a big thing. So I was still eating potatoes and carrots and all of that stuff. But just monitoring grains, dairy. Like everything in moderation. Yeah. Essentially. Except Essen- dairy totally. And, and I um, think it's important to 
understand your own individual body. I don't, for me, I don't think that any diet, like there's no blanket solution for anyone. Right? No. Like, I, I don't think so. Well, and actually like, so November of last year, I came back from a trip and I was just, I wasn't feeling myself. Mm-hmm. I didn't, I didn't recognize my body. So I thought I'm going to jump on, I'm going to cut sugar. I'm going to cut dairy. I'm going to mm-hmm. cut carbs and mm-hmm. I did and I I mean I'm not gonna lie I felt great mm-hmm. lost 15 pounds mm-hmm. I I felt like I looked great mm-hmm. and all of a sudden my blood work like I have a liver disease my blood mm-hmm. work started to come up and they're like yeah. what are you mm-hmm. doing are you sick what's happening mm-hmm. and we didn't actually associate it until just recently I'm in a, a big flare-up right now they've mm-hmm. dosed me up with all of these steroids I had to sign to get these steroids and we realized that it they think that it's because I cut Again, grains mm-hmm. and dairy and some yeah. of those mm-hmm. sugars. And Kristen, <laughs> mm-hmm. she's giving me the look. And Kristen kind of did give me a heads up. Like, you need to eat things in moderation. For sure. But my body just revolted mm-hmm. against itself when mm-hmm. I cut those, even though I mm-hmm. felt so much better. Totally. I, I've i added a lot of those things back in. At the time, I don't necessarily, reg- or I shouldn't say, I don't recommend doing it as hardcore as I did it. I was just set in such a state of like, okay, let's get this under right. control that, you know, you still need a lot of those things. One, a big reason I think that I lost so much of my hair was because I completely cut out grain, which has vitamin B, which I need. And not only that, that the medicine I'm on, um, kind of makes it hard for me to digest certain vitamins. And so I was low in iron and I was low in vitamin B. I was low on all of these things you need for healthy hair growth. Plus, I had just had a baby, and I was postpartum, and, you know, all of these things doubled down. Right. So now we, I mean, we got to talk about Luke in this. So we're, the boys are here because of the Eddies. Yeah. (laughs) I love that you mentioned this. So we sent some questions to Candice, and she said that she met her husband at at Eddies back in the day. So our Lloyd fans, you know how good Eddies was back in the day. Yeah. So how has Luke supported you in all of this? Obviously, he's away. Yeah, Luke's been really, really great. Um, in that moment, he was like, both of us, we both need to uh, get on top of this. And he reminds me all the time. Because, I mean, after Christmas, we kind of fell off the wagon a little bit. Everyone was home. There's tons of cheese and everything. And so we had both, I don't want to call it falling off the wagon. Because I feel like this is a lifestyle and it's right. not a diet. Yes. So I, I hate that. It shouldn't be a diet. It should just be, you know, a healthy living. But we've both kind of, you know, fallen back and I'm getting back there where I'm like making healthier choices because I never want to be in a position I was in before. But he's really great. He supports me. He's but the thing about Luke is he's never seen me as any less than like perfect. Right. I know that that like when it should be. yeah, Yeah. When we started dating, I was. 50 pounds heavier than I am now and he's always just thought that I was the cat's ass so that's how <laughs> it should I are. know yeah. <laughs> so I you know he's 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 always been wonderful yeah mm-hmm. and that's how it should be mm-hmm. well and I think eventually you have to look at beyond yourself like you had three boys mm-hmm. I have two right mm-hmm. so like you want to kind of adopt this healthy lifestyle so that's all they know 100% right so like mm-hmm. we necessarily I think it's a generational thing but I, I wasn't necessarily raised with the most healthy lifestyle. Definitely not us either. And we tried, but we grew up with parents that were farm kids. 
So meat and potatoes and you had your potatoes every different kind of way and lots of fried, lots, lots of, of fried yeah. food and dessert with every meal. Like yes. even my grandma until the day she died was like, what do you mean? We're not having dessert. Get like dessert out. Is, is love. And the, yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, I don't want to, but you know why that is. And this is something that uh, my auntie actually taught me that, which has been huge actually for my healing from anything that I've gone through. Well, she explained it to me as our parents always did for us what they didn't have growing up. Mm-hmm. And it's something it's been, it's a, it creates cycles. So for example, like our parents, their parents might not have showed a lot of like love as in, you know, hugging and kissing, but their way of showing love was providing for them clothes, food, all right. of these things, working really hard because when they were kids, they didn't have that. And so moving forward, we always do what we didn't think we had, but all along, everyone's just doing the best they can. Absolutely. I think that's a great point. Mm -hmm. And I think that comes into our parenting too. Mm -hmm. Like, I think we're very emotional and we're Mm -hmm. very, we love our kids more. Like we give more hugs. We give more kisses. Seriously. Yeah. My three-year-old's just like, can we snuggle? Let's snuggle. And I'm like, my husband's like, why do you snuggle them so much? I'm like, I can't help it. I've, I've never, I think I've hugged my dad maybe five times. Totally, I know, same. Like the boys five times a day. Yeah, yes, yeah. 100%. Yeah, and it's not a fault of, like, it's just, you know, the cycles of how people were raised, and we just do, trying to do better, but once you realize that everyone's just doing the best they can, then it's, Yeah, you know. that kind of leads into forgiveness, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Like, it just, For sure. it's a different perspective. Mm-hmm. You are always so vulnerable and open and raw on mm-hmm. social media. I love when you get stuck with the boys like running your dog that mm-hmm. you're sharing that and you're having mm-hmm. fun with that. Mm-hmm. You also and very recently shared one I just loved it. I mean I don't have a kid but I, mm-hmm. I just felt like I could I could what's the word I'm looking for? Like I could relate. Relate to mm-hmm. it is you you said like it's hard. Like I feel sometimes like I'm failing them. I want to never fail them. Mm-hmm. And you're so real with that. Mm-hmm. So I think that people need to see because you you are this boss babe. Like you're mm-hmm. such a boss babe. Thank you. <laughs> How do you get through the tough stuff when you're like, I didn't do a great mom job today? You know what? That's one of those things, again, why I feel like it's so important to share these things is because I never want anyone to see me and think that I've got it all together. You know, oh, she's got great pictures on Instagram. She is a professional. She's doing this. She's doing that. And her kids are really, really happy. And she's all of these things. But in reality, I'm just behind the scenes, just trying to do my very best like everyone else, you know, yelling at my kid in the parking lot of Superstore or like crying on the way home from school pickup. Like we're all just trying really hard to do our best and some days I don't keep it together and I yell a lot and other days I do better I just want you know like I just I don't necessarily have it all together (laughs) well I think that kind of goes with what your whole kind of genre is is Mm -hmm. like whether you want to you know put makeup on someone Mm -hmm. to make them feel wonderful about themselves Mm -hmm. or whether you want to share your most intimate details of Mm -hmm. your of your children Mm -hmm. right like you just want to empower people to Mm -hmm. feel the best about themselves totally and knowing that you can still do your best and have that be good enough you know like we don't have to be the entire package 
nobody is. No one is. And that's right. the thing is there's this illusion that you have to have, you know, this wonderful career and be, you know, stellar mom and, you know, have a great relationship and have all of these things and have them all be at 100%. And that's not possible. Sometimes I think the moment we think we have it all together, we probably, it's the opposite. We don't have apart. it all together. Well, because <laughs> you're always lacking in one area and you can't possibly do everything 100%. And so I think once you admit that, and that's a huge reason why I had to take a step back from um, working as much over the last year and a half. Well, since I had Sully, so yeah, about a year and a half, because I was working so much that my kids were suffering. Right. And it was supposed to be just a part-time gig. I was just supposed to work, you know, maybe one Saturday a month, maybe two Saturdays. And I was working every single Saturday, plus four days a week. I was working on Sundays and we couldn't go to the lake and we couldn't do anything we wanted to do. And it was taking away from what my biggest priority right now is. Right. Learning those lessons, right? Mm-hmm. We've got to learn those lessons. Mm-hmm. And so you recently shared a quote that I loved and you, I mean, if you don't follow Candace, you need to get on and follow her. <laughs> She's always, we've obviously mentioned, she shares so many, you know, raw and real uh, posts and, and things, but this quote just stuck with me. Uh, No amount of guilt can solve the past, and no amount of anxiety can change the future. So I'll just read that again. Mm -hmm. No amount of guilt can solve the past, and no amount of anxiety can change the future. So you shared with us that part of the lessons that you've learned have been kind of managing anxiety. And Mm -hmm. when we look at you, even when you're raw and, and real, you don't come across as somebody who has anxiety, and so many of us do. Right. Well, and that's why, because I've learned to cope with it. It doesn't make it not there. It just makes it so that I can manage it day to day. So some days are way worse than other days. Um, Sometimes if I'm triggered by something, which is often. So if I'm triggered by something, I have to really calm myself down and bring myself down to a level where I'm functioning again. But there's some days where like I can't answer messages and I'm you know, trying to deal with my kids, but I'm having trouble dealing with them because I'm so anxious. And so it's just about managing it day to day and still forcing yourself. Well, I think it depends on your level and how you manage it. But for me, sometimes doing things that are difficult and seeing after that that still was okay helps me be more confident the next time. How does anxiety show in you like everyone manages anxiety or everyone like anxiety shows up in different ways Mm -hmm. like some people have full-on panic attacks some Mm -hmm. people get really short with their kids some people get really um nervous or angry or whatever like how does that show so in me definitely the shortness um I actually when I was when I right after I had my third baby or no, my second baby, sorry. Um, we had a lot of stuff happen in our family that was really, really difficult to deal with. And with my first baby, I struggled with postpartum anxiety really bad. I didn't even realize that it was as bad until I had a girlfriend call me one time. I was walking into Walmart and she was like, I think you have postpartum depression. I don't want to be like, I don't want to hurt your feelings, but I, I think you've got postpartum depression. I care about you. Yeah. And I was like, no, I don't. Like, you're, you're ridiculous. And then I went home and I was mad and I told my husband, like, she said that I had postpartum. And he's like, I think you have postpartum. Right. 
And so um, after I had my second baby, these things started to come up back into me. And I remember there was one day and my oldest was maybe two years old. And if you know two-year-olds, they're little. And he did something that normal two-year-olds would do. And I was so mad. I couldn't turn it off. I'm like, how can he not understand that this isn't okay? And I was so flipping mad at him. And actually, for that first year, I was always mad at him. And he was too. And I realized I had a moment where I was reading like a blog or something. And every single thing about anxiety in in being this mom had severe anxiety. And I fit in every single category. Mm -hmm. And I said to my husband, I need to go for therapy because of everything I was dealing with in my family life. And then also having small kids. It was all too much for me to handle while also running a business. Mm -hmm. I didn't take any time off after my second baby. I was back doing weddings when he was two weeks old. And so all of it was just too much to manage. And so I went to therapy and I started going to therapy once a week. And uh, she taught me things that I never knew before. I could never manage it before. I was having full on panic attacks and she taught me how to manage it. And so any lessons that she did with you or any you know tips that she shared with you that did make a difference that you would maybe want to pass on to? For sure. Um, a lot of things is feeling your surroundings. So like genuinely feeling them. So like sitting in your chair, feeling your bum in your chair, feeling your breath and how it feels coming into your chest and breathing it out, feeling how those, those things feel and then sight things. So like looking around the room and saying like, okay, this photo on that wall has this and like just becoming present in right. the moment will help you often times. Yeah. Your mind doesn't wander away. Mm-hmm. When you're you have to and, and controlling your breathing. I know something that I do when I get start getting really anxious is I hold my breath and then it makes it worse. Right. And then my chest is heavy. And then not too long ago, I was sure I was having a heart attack. I called my husband at work, and I'm like, I'm having a heart attack. I'm, I'm having a heart attack. And he's like, you're not having a heart attack. And I was almost went to an emergency right. because I couldn't get myself under control. But I had a hot bath after my kids went to bed, and I calmed down, and you know, I could get my breathing back in check. But for a long time, like after I had Sully, I was sure I was having heart attacks like nonstop. Well, it's so nice that you have that support system, A, mm-hmm. that you were able to recognize that you need to go to therapy. Mm-hmm. That's amazing because mm-hmm. not a lot of people do that. No. And then B, that you have Luke to say mm-hmm. like, okay, I need to talk this through. Yeah. You and know? I've got some friends too who are really great with like being there in the that moment. I have a girlfriend who's a nurse, so sometimes I'll have to call her and she'll explain to me how I would actually feel if I was having a heart attack. Right. And so, but like I said, like, yeah, and this is why it's so important for me to talk about stuff like this is because on the outside, I look like I'm really confident. I am confident, but I still really struggle. Right. And so I don't want people to think that it's perfect when it's really not. Well, I think that's really important to say, too, Mm -hmm. because like people think of anxiety or think of depression and they kind of have that stigmatized view Mm -hmm. of like, okay, people with depression don't leave the house or Mm. people with anxiety don't, you know, don't share a lot of, of, you know, stuff on social media. Mm -hmm. But honestly, they look like everyone else and they are killing it in Mm -hmm. social media, right? Like Mm -hmm. there's a lot of of Mm -hmm. different people that suffer with that, that 
you know, those problems. Mm-hmm. Well, social media aside, I think that we are all fighting battles. Mm-hmm. Every day we all wake up and there's some sort of a battle that mm-hmm. we're fighting. And we have to remember to be kind with one another. Mm-hmm. If somebody really lets us down or, you know, maybe we just don't really like somebody. We, we don't have to like each other. Mm-mm. And we just have to respect one another at mm-hmm. least. And, and we're going to make mistakes, but to, to forgive each other. And be, have grace with people. Yes. Give people grace. I actually said that in a post not too long ago because that's been a huge source of healing for me um, from trauma that I've been through because it's not like I've really even gained an apology from people that have caused me pain but once you can put yourself in other people's shoes and see that like everyone's just doing the best they can which is like kind of what I said before and that people aren't usually directly trying to hurt you so once you can see you know how they might have been feeling in the moment where you were hurt it's easy to say, okay, we're all just doing our best. Right. Or when somebody does do something hurtful, what put, what experiences molded them into the person mm-hmm. that did do that hurtful mm-hmm. thing? Because mm-hmm. there's a chance that you know there were some bad things that totally. led that person to doing that. It's mm-hmm. the Brene Brown quote, I think, that says um, it's easy to hate, or it's it's not easy to hate people close up. I'm butchering that quote, but mm-hmm. when you actually see people, mm-hmm. you understand them. Yes, having empathy for people mm-hmm. is is huge. Yeah. yeah. I'm not sure if this is the perfect segue, but I just keep coming back to, to this. You are all about building up other people mm-hmm. and about seeing people for who they are and giving mm-hmm. forgiveness. And I do want to come back to your New Year's resolution, mm-hmm. but there is so much competition out there, mm-hmm. whether it's social media or, or different things, you know, we really compete against one another and, and competition is good. But when does the malicious nature sometimes come in? So you're in a competitive field. Mm-hmm. Let's be honest. Like mm-hmm. You're in a very competitive field. Mm-hmm. How do you maintain and stay true to who you are when you, you know, there may be people teetering between healthy competition and maybe not so healthy competition. So especially when, okay, So for me, we are in a um, place where, um, especially in my career, oftentimes um, we're all just kind of trying to do social media. And so you build relationships with people on social media and you can usually see um, if someone is maliciously competitive or genuinely like trying to build stepping stones and trying to build friendships while also being professional. And the best thing about social media is you don't have to follow or connect with anyone you don't want to. And that's been a huge tool for me. If you're not, you know, seeing me for what I am or you're causing me stress or anxiety, I can say goodbye to you. And I don't have to maintain a relationship with you professionally or, you know. Right. And so that's huge. I think that um, separating yourself from um, people that are not nice in nature is huge Mm -hmm. and realizing that just because someone else competes against you in that way you don't have to compete against someone else in that way right and just keeping your tribe like i mean i'm big Mm -hmm. on keep your circle Mm -hmm. full of people who have your best interest whether that's social media or not Mm -hmm. and you may have somebody that you've been friends with for a long time and and maybe you've grown apart and you're in different places Mm -hmm. and every time you see that person maybe you don't feel so good Mm -hmm. and you know what life is very short yes and that's the thing is, if, it, if it's not providing you positivity and happiness, then why keep it around? That doesn't necessarily mean that you shouldn't be kind and gracious and, you know, all of these things. But 
you can say goodbye to things that aren't serving you. People have things, that's a good mm-hmm. point. And the, I think that um, we're coming to a different place as women that I think it's it's getting there, where women realize that um, if you're cheering each other on and you're you know supporting someone else while also supporting yourself, opportunities will come your way, the right opportunities will happen for you, and it's okay to cheer someone on to have an opportunity that you want. And vice versa. So as long as you, um, like I used that analogy with you earlier, with um, if you guys were both going after the same promotion, it's okay to go after the same promotion and compete to get something amazing. Once you are becoming malicious and trying to sabotage someone else's chance at doing something, then that's where it's wrong. Mm-hmm. Well, and isn't it more fun, and I know you mentioned this too in the questions earlier, isn't it more fun to have friends come along beside you than 100%. do it on their own? Yes, and that's the thing. And something I've realized is there's so much work all around us. So if you're good at your job and you're good at what you do, you'll be busy. So you don't really need to drag someone else down to do better on your own. I just, I don't know, I personally just want to see everyone do well I don't know yeah and you kind of mentioned about you know waiting for these opportunities that come up and you've been at this for quite a while Mm -hmm. so what would you say to those like young people that are just coming up like Mm -hmm. what would you say about just waiting or or you know finding the right opportunities so I don't I guess maybe not waiting for opportunities to come because you want to go after right but like I said, social media is huge. It's It's been my hugest asset for creating my career. And so you have to be willing to just go for it and work really hard. So for a long time in the evening, I was doing makeup looks on myself and then washing them off and then going to bed, right? Like half my Halloween looks that I did for the last couple of years took two hours and I would go and shower them off. And so you have to be willing to just put in the work so that your name gets out there right and and practice and practice practice makes perfect I know I hear lots of people well I'm not good at social media well I'm not but that's where the world is and And that's probably really hard for someone that suffers from anxiety well yeah and that's the thing and like I said I struggle with for a long time I really struggled with what people would think of me and I really love like I gained a lot from gaining other people's approval and that only fueled my anxiety. Right. And so, you know, there has to be a fine line. Right. Yeah. I'm just imagining you in your basement putting on all of these, like, amazing <laughs> looks. Like, if you follow Candace, like, she has some amazing looks. And then your boys see them, and then you go wash them yeah. off. <laughs> and half the time they didn't even get to see them because right. I do them after they go to bed. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, and Luke's like, oh, that one's cool. Okay, shower time. Yeah. 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 Just go to you as the Maleficent. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so your New Year's resolution, I was I was at a wedding in Canada and I had a chance just to chat and she shared her New Year's resolution and I just think this is awesome. Mm-hmm. Share that with everybody. So my New Year's resolution was to forgive those who have wronged me, but also ask for forgiveness anywhere where I might have done something that warranted me asking someone else to forgive me because I'm not a perfect person I know that um in my younger years especially I might not have been as nice as I could have been or you know acting out of being threatened or anything like that 
I maybe wouldn't have behaved properly. And if I caused anyone pain, I wanted to let them know that their pain was warranted and that I was sorry. And so that was my biggest thing is to just kind of apologize where necessary. And so easy to make those resolutions. Mm-hmm. But you've acted on it. I mean, mm-hmm. we start resolutions, mm-hmm. and I mean, I eat healthy for till I crush it till January fourth, right? <laughs> and then, um, it's gone. Mm-hmm. You've made some calls. You've done you yeah. know, some of that. Yeah, and, and that's amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a lot of it's really personal, right? Yeah, and you don't have to be no. there. But at all, yeah, but. it was really, really important to me, especially in this last year of growth, to make amends anywhere that I've been wrong. And a, a lot of the situations where I was wrong, I knew I'd been wrong for years. And it's kind of been eating you. Yeah, like, and right. it's a pride thing too, right? You don't want to necessarily admit that maybe you behaved badly. But it's huge for me and also for like even in a one situation and I won't go into details about exactly you could tell as soon as I said like, Hey, I was wrong, I should not have treated you like that. I am really, really sorry. You didn't deserve that and you could tell that she was like, Oh my god, well thank you. Right? Because it gives them the What's the word? Like, like validation. The validation yeah. that they were, they were their, yeah, and their pain was and... was valid. Right. Yeah. We often say the quote, you know, we'd rather have hard lessons than no lessons, you know, whether that's health concerns. Our health concerns have made us better people. Mm-hmm. And you're not scared of hard lessons. I love, I love that about you. What are some of the, the lessons you've learned that you wish you had known maybe a little earlier in life? Um... Well, my biggest thing is to give people grace. I was very good at holding grudges for a long time. So if you had hurt me, I would remember it. And I'm like, oh, like things that happen when you're 22 years old, most of us are not the same person. Right. Right. We, sh- we shouldn't be the same No, we absolutely shouldn't be. Not. Like at 35, like I'm not the same person I was when I was 22. And I sure hope the people that hurt me when we were that young aren't the same. Right. And so a huge... Um, place for me to grow is just giving people grace and also um like just letting go letting go has been huge I was holding on to so much even from my childhood pain that I'd been through and things that we'd gone through like my parents um have been divorced and there's you know stuff that's gone on from that and as an adult seeing that like hey they were just trying their best right and so growing through that and then also um being I'm I'm very giving as a person and so I would give people resources and you know oh you should do this and you should sign up for this and hey this is going on you should do it and being kind of screwed over from that at the time it made me feel like well maybe I shouldn't be doing this for people but one of my hugest lessons lessons was continuing to do that and seeing the community that I've made grow, right? There's always people that are going to take advantage of you, but most people won't. 
Right. And we've got to focus on those good ones. We've got to. We see good people all the time. Mm -hmm. You know, one person lets them down, Mm -hmm. and then, you know, they retreat. Totally. And we need people who just keep putting one foot in front of another and helping. people that are letting people down 10 years from now, they will grow. Mm -hmm. You know, like, Mm -hmm. maybe they will make a phone call 10 years from now. Um, another thing is understanding that a lot of, we all react different ways, um, when we're faced with fear. Mm -hmm. So a lot of times when people hurt you, they're in fear of something. Right. So sometimes people behave, you know, badly. So they attack some people flee some people. Right. And so, um, that's huge too, is knowing like, you know, maybe they didn't handle it properly but they were in fear of losing something or something not going the way they wanted it to. Right. Right? So. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Those are awesome lessons. Mm-hmm. I think everyone can relate to those. Yeah. So your fears have probably changed. Mm-hmm. What still scares candy? <laughs> candy, I love it. <laughs> everyone yeah, call me candy. Calling her candy. People now. <laughs> used to call candy candy when yeah. she was younger and then it just kind of stuck. And so mm-hmm. I always call her candy and she's like, we got to keep this going yeah, so if you're everyone. listening to this podcast you walk up to candace and you say hey candy and she'll know that you heard yeah. this podcast yeah, yeah exactly. exactly okay what was your question what scares what scares you now um well again my biggest fear is the fear of not being loved or liked right. i um you know i struggled with being accepted as a kid all throughout high school and so i mean i know lots of people in high school might not have known because when I moved here I moved back from provost in grade 10 and I made it my mission to become friends with people who were accepted so that I didn't have to go through what I'd gone through and so um, it's always been this huge fear of mine and I'm really trying to get over that fear of not being accepted not being you know good enough or you know have value Mm -hmm. right and I'm pretty sure that the more people that we talk to in this podcast, that is everyone's mm-hmm. fear, mm-hmm. underlining fear of not being good enough, mm-hmm. not being accepted, not being loved. Did you know that that's a human trait? It's yeah. something that humans are always, you know, struggle finding their value. It's it's like a social, mm-hmm. like we need to feel loved mm-hmm. to, to make sure that we're cared for. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So what's next? Well... I'm actually really excited. I've got a lot of stuff coming up. And so I'm uh, um, in April is a huge month for me. I'm just really excited about April. But um, I'm teaching for the first time the level one makeup artistry course at Nade Mede Spa. They're an accredited facility. So they, you know, you would be a certified makeup artist. So exciting. It's really exciting. I had been wondering about doing it for years and they've been bugging me for a while. Um, I have that, and then um, I'm just really working. I Like I said, like makeup artistry is my career, but I'm really hoping to kind of branch out into like the self-love, body acceptance movement. I'm really passionate about that. I just wanted to add a third item, and that is you've got to work on movesets. Like- yeah. <laughs> you know what? Yeah. That's the thing is I always thought that um, – that was something that I would work towards um, as I, you know, got older. My kids got older. At this point right now, I just don't know if that could ever happen for me. Not that I wouldn't want it to, but I just don't know if that's where I'm headed. 
I think your it seems maybe like your priorities have changed with that. When That's I met right. you, you yeah. I thought that was something you were interested in building your portfolio, and even, I just I think you just do such amazing and creative I, stuff. And I love all of that. And even even like I said, things have changed so much for me in a year, because even a year ago, I really wanted to pursue. Um, special effects makeup and mm. like all that stuff which I still love but it's just not necessarily what I'm passionate about anymore and that's that's something I think that a lot of people don't realize is that it's okay for your passions to change well that's yeah we have to grow yes otherwise we're just stagnant yes and I didn't realize because for a long time like even when I was um quite a bit more overweight I still lo- loved I didn't necessarily, okay, how do I put that? I still thought I was beautiful. I still, but I still had that, like, fear behind it of not being good enough, you know? But I still would put the swimsuit on, and I would still wear the clothes, and I would still do all that stuff, but still have that fear behind it. And then in this last year, while, yes, I did lose weight, but I'm still not by any means thin, and I'm, you know from being a hundred pounds overweight, I have loose skin and all of this stuff and realizing that like, that's okay. Mm-hmm. And that for me, talking to women and having so many women not feel like they can wear a swimsuit or, you know, the clothes they want to wear because of fear of having that hangy tummy or having stretch marks, which is something that we all have. Mm-hmm. I had a woman when I went into a clothing store the other day, trying on this beautiful jumpsuit it looked gorgeous on her and her fear was that she could you could see the dimples on her bum I'm like but we all have dimples in our bum Mm -hmm. so why don't you want to wear that beautiful jumpsuit because of the dimples in your bum that we all have Mm -hmm. right well we need those people to be confident and go out there and wear those things because then it just makes other people feel confident Mm -hmm. to do the same totally and that's, that's where, like, you know, like I said, I'm really passionate about makeup. I love my career. But for me, I have found so much purpose in that. Right, purpose in you. Yeah. Like, I just, like, I believe in it so strongly. And so. It's kind of like when we talked about this on Kristen's podcast, you've kind of gone from, and correct me if I'm wrong, mm-hmm. but you've gone from sort of a resume to more of a legacy piece. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Would I be right to say that? I yeah, that I think 100%. Mm-hmm. Like for me, like, you know, five years ago, almost five years ago, I had a stroke. Mm-hmm. And so I had to relearn to communicate and all of that kind of stuff. And, mm-hmm. and it puts into perspective, like health issues mm-hmm. put into perspective and kids and all of that kind of stuff mm-hmm. put into perspective of what you want to leave behind. Mm-hmm. And I think you have put a, like, have a wonderful idea of what you want to leave behind. Yeah, yeah. I love that you said, and I think I want to. I want to leave with that that the end result, changing your end result. You know, having you know those goals written down. When the goals change, that's not a failure. Mm-mm. That's part of it. Mm-hmm. Is going through. Well, actually, that wasn't ever my end goal, and now my end goal is this, and mm-hmm. it changes. We mm-hmm. get a little bit too worried about the the bucket list items, the resume items, and those final goals we yeah. think we're supposed to have totally. that we don't always pay attention to where we want to go. Mm-hmm. Well, and this, oh, sorry. No, go ahead. Um, I really struggled with that this last Halloween because the Halloween before, I had a new baby, and I was, like, you know, killing it with the Halloween makeup looks. And this year, that wasn't 
where my priority was. I could barely even get myself to do it. I was like, I don't want to be doing that anymore. And I couldn't believe the difference in a year and how much what I was passionate about had changed. And I didn't want to let people down. I didn't want people to be disappointed that I wasn't doing that. Mm -hmm. So I did two of them, but it was hard to get those done because... Well, I'm I'm like my one and a half skull one that I did this last Halloween. I really loved it. I thought it came out really good. Amazing. But again, that struggle with, you know, having a completely different outlook on even life in a year. I'll be the first to admit I miss those Halloween, <sighs> but those Halloween pictures. Yeah. But we have to look after ourselves, mm-hmm. and we have to be okay with, you know, we may let people down, mm-hmm. but I need to look after me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what are three things you'd like to leave with uh, people that are maybe some of those things, some of those lessons and, and tips on, on how to look after yourself? Well, your I think majorly that your happiness is key. So... So many, especially as women, we take care of other people, usually before we take care of ourselves. But in order to take proper care of other people, you need to take care of yourself. And so you need to have something you're passionate about, something that means something to you, something that's important to you. And so I just think that you need to take care of yourself and what's important to you at that time. And yeah, and evolving, not trying to stay the same person forever because it's not possible. Mm-hmm. forgiving ourselves for the mm-hmm. past yes. forgiveness is huge it's huge just for growing in, in general forgiveness is key forgiving yourself forgiving other people yeah amazing lessons mm-hmm. oh, this has been an amazing <laughs> amazing podcast yeah thank you so much if you guys yeah. have any questions or you want to reach out to candace uh, she's amazing at, at answering dms and and connecting through mm-hmm. social media if she doesn't get to you, she's having a, a self-care day. So yeah. she'll get back to you. And if she doesn't, feel free to funnel some of those things. Boys. Yeah, yeah <laughs> wrangling yeah, my crazy kids. You're amazing kids. Yeah, so make sure you're following Candace on social media. I know she's one of those people that I even sign up her notifications sometimes. So I can, oh, thank I you. see that. Yeah. And uh, it always gives me a boost. So thank you guys so much. And thank you to the listener who made it this far. Yeah, thank you. Yeah.